0: 看来
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to Middle Earth, your source for insight into China's cultural industry. How the cultural business works in that part of the world, told by the ones who are in the trenches of creation, production, and distribution. I'm your host Aladdin Fare from CCP, China Compass Production, your film production service in the Middle Kingdom, and this show is a member of the Cineca Network. As usual, you can take a look at the show notes to find the recommendation and the guest contact info. I know we usually talk about television, music, and film on this show, but I try my best to bring you guys information on other markets on China cultural. Cultural industry and today's we're going to talk about board games because first it is actually one of the art form that I love to play it is also a growing market in China also if any of you have bought settlers of Catan and uh, be really mad at your friends afterwards chances are good that it was printed in China to give some estimation in 2019 according to research and the China playing cards and board game market size was 500 80 million dollars, and it is projected to reach 1.6 billion by 2025. To give some comparison, of course, the video game industry in China in 2019 was bringing 36 billion dollar. That's 60 times the card and board game industry. With me today, three guests. Uh, so first, Chen Jinjin. So according to the legend, you bet your, you beat your father playing card games when you were three years old, I'm sure he let you in, come on. <laughs> and, uh, and ever since, uh, you have been dedicated gamer on every platform. You have worked in various startups in mobile, in mobile games, television, and telecommunication. But now you are the co-founder and CMO of G-Stones, a platform that links Chinese board game players to buy the right games and connect with other players. Next to you is Hao Zhang, mm-hmm. uh, who have fallen into the role-playing games for almost 20 years. Yeah, I was there myself before, I actually made friends in recess during high school by playing board game. Can you imagine this? What a loser. Um, he's the co-founder of CanCon. This is the longest tabletop gaming convention in China. And he also builds a company that focuses on introducing and publishing role-playing game in China. And last with us, Iret uh, Zhu, who is in Shanghai, recording from his car, thank you so much for, uh, for your service. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, you are a marketing manager of Asmeode China since 2017. Uh, for those who would not know Asmeode, it is basically the universal slash apple of board game industry.
2: Yeah, <laughs> can we say that? <laughs> in
1: 2020, Asmeode Group owns 19 game studios and have office in 18 countries and you ship games to more than 50. Yes, that's us. <laughs> I think first of all we should dive into just what is board game. Uh, I'm sure it's still like something that all of us we do have played chess and 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 games like this but at the end of the day things are now a little bit more complicated there are much more type of games in the market especially those last year. So for the people who don't know about this like how would you define Board game themselves, first of all.
3: Board game to me, its um its purpose is to bridge human to human contact. So it's an offline activity where people sit together, have something on the table, and then you have little mini wooden pieces. You have a board, and then you start playing board games.
2: When well, we talk about the uh, board game industry, we are specifically talking about tabletop games. Um, so board game is a literally a uh, physical game that we can play. On table, um, that you can like put some small tokens on a pre-marked board. That's board game like non-play or other classic board games. Well, card game is also regarded as uh, tabletop games like uh, Werewolf or uh, Magic the Gathering. They are also card games, and we can also call it tabletop games. So actually, poker, and um, Chinese chess, and mahjong that. Chinese people very familiar with are also types of tabletop games, I think. So I think we are talking about ball game today. We're also talking about tabletop games.
1: So what's funny is that when I arrived here, um, like oh, almost five years ago, what I realized is that, I guess for mainly for students, but every time I was like studying in a cafe, then there would be like a lot of group of young people like playing like uh the, the the killer or like the werewolf. Uh, uh, yeah. And I was yeah. really surprised to see like so many people are actually already doing this kind of activities where you are like 20 people in a cafe Saturday uh, yeah. afternoon. Uh, I don't think that would really happen in Europe <laughs> where I'm from. So it seems for me that the market is already kind of rip for people who want to play games here in China.
3: Uh, yeah, I agree with you. So um, board game has become lately a trend in um China and I think that started in 2008 when the Sha cards came out and also Werewolf is published by Irid, um by Asmodee right so um so I think Sha was the first wave that brought up um a Chinese crowd interest and the majority of these people are from colleges and universities so um And then the second wave came with Werewolf. But then I think now we're also migrating into a realm of where people are trying out different types of games. So including like Murder Mystery, including the new 100,000 titled board games that exist in the market. So I think, Ired, maybe you have something to say about Werewolf since you guys published it.
2: (laughs) Yes, so uh, my story is my... uh, Before I... Started my career in Smod China. Actually I rarely played ball games or car games for many years. The first ball games I played is um Monopoly, but it's a uh, like adapted version uh, adapted local version of Monopoly. That's it. Uh, back in the 90s. So uh and uh, the only memory of ball game to me is when I was in college i often played games with my friends and dear friends from other universities. And our gathering is kind of like a speed dating or something. We just play till midnight after Karaoke, and by that time, we play party games like uh, Werewolf and uh, Dixit. It's all published by Asmodee. Yeah. And uh, that's the only two titles that I could remember. And when I went to Asmodee for the interview, I realized, oh, that's the publisher of Werewolf and Dixit in China, but uh, uh, why did I know? Since uh or the Dixit and the Werewolf uh, in China like before Smo entering the Chinese market, it's kind of like counterfeit or a piracy version of the game.
1: okay, so there has been an evolution of the markets. things started to get bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm just wondering like what what are you guys? all of you are in the industry? like what do you think are the opportunities and what are the challenge? Do you hope that every single Because I think if we compare to Europe, like every single household in North America and Europe would have like at least a couple of monopoly games, things like this. Like, is it the case in China? And if it's not the case, when do you think or if this will happen?
3: So, um... I started playing board games, or I mean, card games slash chess type games when I was about three years old, because um, I think during that time, uh, Deng Xiaoping, which is our premiere at the time, he plays bridge. So my father like runs a bridge club. And so um, in our household, we grew up with games like mahjong, all types of chess. So like anything you can imagine, like udo, like Uno, and all those type of different card games. So I think in every Chinese household right now, everyone has cards and most likely Mahjong. But then I think board game, as we speak, is called more modern board games. So like games, I think Monopoly, people probably have it. But then the modern type of board games, there are so many of them. And there are like, I think over 100,000 titles right now in the market. So this is the new modern era of board games that we're trying to bring in into the Chinese market. And we think that um, from our data, because we run a platform, we've been running Gstone for two and a half years now. And then we can definitely see that the user growth is coming. It's like flooding in right now. So we started with only about 200 users during our first con. And then two and a half years later, we have 200,000, over 200,000 users right now.
1: Your co- Convention.
3: Uh, no, 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 on our platform.
1: No, you said your first con?
3: Oh yeah, when we attended our first con, when we first launched G-Stone, we only has, had like 200 gamers, and then you also see more media outlets, so there's a lot more streamers, and then we have talked to a lot of video broadcasters, a lot of newer platforms. And then I think they're at an age where like digital and computer board games are like stuck somewhere where they don't have like evolution of game mechanics. So a lot of people including like, not just I think, like digital gamers, but also cultural institutions are looking into board games as a form to re-enter the market with a new form of entertainment because the old form of entertainment right now is uh becoming the past
0: and also uh our kankang uh, it's the nice years of the kankang in the first year uh, we only have 43 43 peoples and uh, uh 30 peoples are foreigners only okay, we, 10 you made foreign- kankang the, the first year of the Kong. like people will buy a ticket yeah uh only 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 uh i mean only forty three people attend the can and uh, uh only ten people are from china others are the foreign and uh, for now last year we have 1500 and five hundred uh individual people uh, to attend the can and uh, most of them are the chinese gamers uh, i i think it, it can prove the uh G-Stone's data yeah yeah and i think the most challenge for for China is uh, the ball games is a totally whole new idea, a whole new concept for for Chinese gamers. Uh, in the, uh, I mean, in the uh, in Shanghai, Beijing, um, there are so many younger people can touch the ball games quarters. and uh, they are really really like to play, but they don't have enough time to play. In to gathering, you, you know, uh, two people in Beijing try to uh meet each other maybe need two hours. Yeah. On, on the road, yeah. And um, mm, the news concept flew into the a third or, or 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 fourth level cities in be- uh, in China uh, will be very slow, and they can not accept it quickly. Yeah, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, that, that makes an echo. Like we interview people from the video game industry uh, on Middle Earth. I think it was episode seven or eight. And what they were explaining me is that all those like console game, like long time when you can like dive yeah. into a story, those doesn't exist in China because people just don't have time. And I've seen it with my own flatmates. Like they would play like a lot of uh, mobile games, yeah, mobile yeah. game. When they would just like rush it for thirty minutes at least, and then after they would move on to to do something completely different. Yep. So it seems that the time is an issue.
2: Yes, I think uh, time is a big issue. Since um, after three years I working in the uh, board game country, uh, after I dealt with the promotion for more than hundreds of games we localized, I still think I am for me I am a light player. I I got. All the knowledge or the insight about the industry, I'm, but I'm still not that kind of person that can play a game for more than five to six hours. Even my team organized that kind of fairs or tournaments for those core gamers, literally every month. The ordinary players or the newcomers will only play games that, that last for five to ten minutes for one round. So um, even I think. Uh, I've even have seen the some of our fancy titles like Game of Thrones or Twilight Imperium, but the but one round of the game it lasts for five to six hours that only the co-player can like accept the length of the game.
1: How could we compare the market then of China compared to the U.S. to Europe to Japan to South Korea? Like, could you give us like some element of comparison that we could grasp on?
3: I think for um. There's, so there's Asia market, European market, and the U.S. market we're looking at, right? I think um, for the U.S. market, I, I heard this data, but I think this is from like 2016 or something. So it's not the newest updated data. But I think um, one third of the world's board game market right now is in the U.S. Yeah, but I think the most diversified market is in Europe because um, Europe has multiple different languages. And then um, there's a lot of condensed inf- information in Europe. So I think... Condensed culture in Europe. So I think um, Europe has the most diverse market. And for Asia, I think Korea, Japan and China, China, Taiwan has about 20 years of history into the modern board games. But I think in main, mainland China, we only have roughly about 10 years of board game. So I think there are a few aspects that's different. Number 1, it's the game titles. Because in US and Europe and the other Asian markets, a diversified title was pushed into the markets. But in China, it's one or two games that has become a hit in the market. Like 50 million people in China was playing those one and two titles. So I think diversification is one aspect. And number two is marketing. So I think before, maybe like, I think two years back, you don't see a lot of media talking about board games in China. But then with um, Werewolf specifically, when they did a big show um, with a Lying Man and eventually Panda Kill, a lot of the market's eyeballs were going into the media to watch board games being played. So I think in the two recent years right now on Billy Billy, we have about like eighty three partners, media partners who are doing um Board game shows. So I think that is also another aspect. And I think the third aspect is in terms of financials. In the board game market, there's not a lot of investments in China at the moment. So we do need more investment and financing coming in before we actually push the market outwards.
1: And Ired, um, I'm interested to know like for example, like is there like games that worked really well abroad? then you localize them to China and then some of them make a complete flop and others actually work really well, but you don't really know like why this one works and why this one doesn't work. Do you have like case study like this?
2: Well, we have a lot of stories about those kind of games that works very well, and especially in Europe market. Last year, a, a very good game called Just One who is like selling about... Uh, 200k in the first month 200k pieces in the first month just in Germany that's a that's a price winning winning game so it's very popular in Europe by that time but uh, we localized it in China and uh, that way we found the problem that didn't sell well since the MSRP, the manufacturer suggest the retail price of the game is like um, a bit high for uh, Chinese chinese consumers so uh, and also we found like two months later a uh, counterfeit maker make a piracy copies about this game so they are selling at like uh, 40 r 40 and in uh, on taobao so um, for uh, for the genuine game that we are not selling very well since about since we are just like 258 RMB for this game that that's kind of the stories. If you sell uh, if the title is very well, the counterfeit maker will just uh, make a counterfeit version and uh, and the, the general version will not be selling very well. And also there is there are some games that the seam is not just that into Chinese people. So um let me think that some some theme that a uh, pirate scene. That is very popular in Western countries, but uh, for Chinese, they are not that into the the pirate theme. But um, for some theme, the, it's the same, like the Kasulu the theme, like the Lovecraft fiction, that's very hot in China and also in Western countries. So it's hard to say, that's like the... Mark has his own choice,
1: I think. What about this woman, uh Qing Shi. Qing Shi. Qing Shi? Yeah, like okay. this pirate woman. I'm sure that would work well here.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, actually, uh, in, in Chinese culture, uh, prior, uh, private and uh, some other things is not so popular in, uh, in the main uh, main market. Yeah. And uh, also maybe like the Star Wars. Uh, um, yeah, Star the Wars. Star- yeah, Star yeah, Star Wars is very, <laughs> very good. Good, good, good stories. Uh, as you know, uh, the movies, the toys, the board games are, are all very, very hot in in Western, also in Japan, but not in China. Okay, understood. Oh, yeah, just Qin Shu is
1: like a a pirate woman, and she was uh, like a like she was working uh, during the mid of the nineteenth century, and that's like the fir- the only time when the I think it's a really funny story. It's the only time when the English and the Qing Dynasty fleet work uh, together to to kick her out, but she still won at the end.
0: Oh I, I know Ooh. the story. Yeah, but you, uh, as you know, um, I, I think uh, actually uh, our Chinese gamers, uh, also uh, designers and uh, um, publishers, need to dig the uh, old stories of the China and uh, uh, renew the whole stories to the modern gamers yeah, yeah. we when you do the list part of, of work. Yeah. So,
1: but that that's like a perfect question like why yeah why no one like takes this because she's like a really charismatic character from history i would guess like you would hope to dig up those old story and like not just localize the game but mm. also like create
0: the game from china history and legend i think you need, you have to take a lot of time to understand what's a chinese culture right now uh list maybe 70 years you know uh, after the republic of china yeah uh, in, in my opinion i think a uh, 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 by time uh between this part and old part in the uh, our culture just uh, blocked um, by many facts in the uh, modern people didn't care about what was going on in the uh, in the old, old time uh what, does, what what happens in the ming and qing I don't know how to uh how to say that, but uh most of the uh peoples just care about the, the, the very light uh
1: light part, so they just care about like modern stuff oh, yeah, 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 buy, yeah yeah. buying things and like everything that is old oh, will, yeah. will have like issues to be will have issues to be cool yeah. again mm, yeah
2: yeah I have different ideas things uh I think the problem is just we are less we lack of investment. Since uh, uh, I don't know if you guys see the series uh, uh, one console game or PC game video that go viral like in within two days, the 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 theme is just like Journey to the West. It's a uh, very old Chinese fiction and uh, they got investment to make a game like this. But uh, for ball games, it is very hard to like the areas in the studio to create a ball game that's Design for five to six years, and uh, with a very good mechanic and uh, with a very good storytelling background. So, and someone invest them for uh, making it for five to six years. That 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 we can find a good theme and make it to uh, like a final product. Now, for now, I don't think we are uh, people are not like the old topic or old uh, theme or old titles. They are just uh, we don't find some like investment to make those like Chinese traditional stories into the final product. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah, sometimes you can find that uh, the the modern gamers didn't understand the traditional Chinese culture. Yeah, it's really hard and it's far so far away from his life.
1: Yeah. And also what you just mentioned is that then there is like the IP protection issue. So if you spend like years developing a game, finding like the good story, the art, uh, and then like someone just like print it for one fifth of your price, I guess this is kind of, yeah, really hard to do. Um, So then I'm just wondering, like, how did the IP protection evolved over the years?
3: In terms of like titles, I think like, um, because we worked on a game as well with um, Xinhua, who's like the number one bookstore chain in China, they have like, many, many, many stores. And so when we um, was in a project with them to develop a game about China, so we have not finalized the English name yet, but um, they were very, very, very... um, determined on making the entire IP protection so in terms of registering for the name as well as getting a publishing number because in China um the two ways to protect protect a product is either number one you register the name but then there are so many like names that it's it's crashing so it's really hard to get the registration but I think it's relatively cheap it's like 1,000 to register for it but then you have to 1,000 yuan not 1,000 yeah yeah, yeah, 1,000 uh CNY Chinese yuan yeah and then um then there's the other part which is trying to obtain a publishing number and making sure that your product is officially published so if someone makes like like co- someone copies your product then you can protect it with that ISBN number yeah and then so that procedure both procedures are relatively long I think that's one of the problems. But once you um, put that in, that is one way to protect your IP. And then I think another way is for bigger platforms like Taobao um, to really crack down on all all the fakes. Because sometimes you register for a name, but then they change the name. And then they change the outlook. But then mechanics is not protected worldwide. So like even in Germany, like France, for example, people are using each other's mechanics all the time. Yeah, the
1: rule of the game.
3: Yeah, So the but the rule of the game sometimes is like, it's like the heart of the game. So I think that internationally, that needs to be like a patent or something to help protect that mechanic. But I don't think that's going to happen in the near future. So I think reg- registration and publishing number is something that we can look into for now.
2: Yes. Uh, like, like Jane, you said some, some of the game they just, they are just like uh, in the uh, European countries, they are, the studios are learning others for the, for the mechanic. They just change the artwork. So uh, I think uh, for us, the werewolf is a uh, most successful, I can say werewolf or, is like one of the most successful board game IP in China. Then, uh, but well, Asmodee didn't protect protect it very well since the counterfeit appears before Asmodee entering the Chinese market. So after that, we uh, <laughs> we now register every English and Chinese name for every game we published, and uh, we have a legal partner team to remove all the links. Of online shops that selling counterfeit or piracy copies of our titles, and uh, for uh, some of the games we uh, cooperate with other big IPs like Marvel, Champions, like Star Wars or um, Game of Thrones. I think the, for those kind of games we don't need to worry about the the, the counterfeit or or uh, the piracy copies, since they, the 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 all the links will be killed by Disney or killed by lucas films since their legal team is the like (laughs) like the king of the universe or something
1: (laughs) 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 okay i'm just wondering like because the majority of these podcast listeners are from outside of china so maybe especially if people are like discovering oh there's like a market for board games in china like what advice would you tell them if they want to localize it or if they want to bring their game to china because everyone yeah china the new market on everything <laughs> uh, isn't it and also because what i realize. Uh, before I have a friend like they try to make their own board game, and that's thanks to them. I realized that there is actually a lot of a uh, printing shop here in China. Like a lot of board games are actually printed in Guangdong, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, and uh, yeah, even Guangzhou. And then they would be sent shipped all around the world. So I'm just wondering, like, what is the uh, like the link between like the West, like other countries, and uh, and China?
3: I'll start, I guess. Um, so I think for printing because China invented printing like ages ago. But um, yeah, the the thing is that I think majority of the world's board games are printed in China because um, I think back forward like 20 years um, when board game first started, a lot of the printing is cheap in China. So this is why it's printed in China. And also like the including the labor and the manufacturing. But now I think Where China stands in terms of printing and manufacturing is the quality. So, actually, the number one top quality of prints of board games are in china in guangzhou and shenzhen so like panda for example is world recognized number one but i think there's also other print shops in um germany like i think like ludofact and um other print companies but they're relatively more expensive so printing companies in china is actually i think the most money-making board game (laughs) companies in um in china because they do a lot of exports right
0: but uh mentioned the the localizing uh, i think uh, I have touched uh, some smaller publishers uh, around the world, and uh, they also think ah oh, Chinese people are so lot of uh, so many in so many G- of them. Yeah, so many of them, and uh, I have a game you can publish in China and uh, maybe one thousand, uh, ten thousand copies or so but nope. Ten thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah but but nope. <laughs> Most of the games, maybe just the one thousand or two thousand copies can sell out, and uh, if you want to uh make your game into Chinese, I think the best way is to find a a Chinese company, gaming company to work together and to let them to make decisions. Actually, if you want to get success, you have to uh, get famous and success, uh, first of all, uh, in the US or in the Europe market. Then the Chinese gamers will hear that and will maybe try to um want to buy this game or try this game then you just do the chinese versions, but never do the uh, dual games first of uh, first in china yeah
2: um uh, I, I just wanted to talk about the uh, localizing that's uh that's really the like hard for all the chinese uh distributors since uh that you, it is easy to like localize English into French, but uh, it is like very hard to localize English into Chinese or other languages into Chinese, since um we will have um tremendous manpower for uh, um for the layout, for the proof, for the translating stuff. So um, that is also kind of the high cost of the um, Chinese localized games. That. Uh, players they always want the the game p- to be more cheaper and uh, they can afford it. But uh, actually, um, the cost of localizing game in to Chinese is much more than that you sell original version in uh, European countries.
0: Yeah, 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 I, I, I think uh, I want to say some more than uh, things uh, because we do the role playing games. You know, every book. Uh, it's lots of words need to translating. In the uh, The Witcher, The Witcher role playing games, uh, when the English version is published, the uh, Italian group, I, as I know, they only use three months to translate the whole book and uh, put it into the market. But we do it for one year. Because you have like many concepts
1: and many. Things. Yeah. It's not just like things and you can find in the dictionary.
0: Yeah, and also Chinese and the, the, the Latin the, the uh, Latin language. Yeah, it's so different. We need to take lots of time uh, to, to translating uh, for the Chinese gamers. The easy to read, easy to understand. Yeah, it takes lots of time.
2: For that uh, localization in Chinese, it's always got you all the distributors and the translator only got one chance. Since if you are localizing uh, electronic games or uh, like console game or PC game, you can fix it with an uh, update. But uh, for uh, printing games, physical games, you need to like localize it and then prove it for uh, for uh, much much more times to make it right. Since if you are uh, if you make messed up with the localization, that the, all the players will not buy from you anymore. I think, and that's the that's the situation in Chinese market. So uh, it is much way more cost than than the just distributing it.
1: Yeah, you can't really send like an update by the post yeah. office. <laughs> <laughs> That was a nerd joke. Thank you, <laughs> thank you guys for your support. Okay, mo- moving on because as COVID nineteen impacted like every culture industry around the world. So we know that theater, um, film and theater, like they really take a huge hit, but then video games like earn a lot of money. So I'm wondering where does the board game industry, where do you guys stand? Was COVID-19 like a good news for you at the end? Much more people want to buy games and play it with their friends or on the other side, no one can buy it because they don't have money or they don't have time or
0: they can't meet their friends because they have to all quarantine at home for months on end. Um, Most of the... Uh distributor of the china uh, are selling games online yeah we, we have a very strong e-business <laughs> on China so uh, e- e-commerce yeah 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 and, uh, not like the US or European you didn't need to buy the games uh, on your local game store uh, you just uh, buy it online and, uh, but also we we, we also face some uh, difficult times because uh, people they can't meet each other's so they don't have a uh, environment to play the game. So they don't buy anything, or especially for the tabletop games. And uh, I know some gamers losing their jobs, and uh, they don't have enough money, uh, extra money to play the game, oh, uh, to buy the games. Yeah.
3: I think this is um, a very interesting question because we actually had our biggest boost in sales in February. But um, we did see an interesting trend. So, like, I think COVID-19 really gave a drove to family and kids games. Yeah, because in families, they have kids, their kids stuck at home. They don't want them to be on digital devices all the time. So they started pouring a lot of money into board games. But at the same time, because adult gamers, unlike, like, the Western in U.S. and Europe, where pe- a lot of people play at home, right? But in China, you play in, like, public venues. So if you play in public venues, if you cannot go out, you play less games. And if you play less games, you buy less games. But then, um, I think after COVID, there's a little bit of of a boost, both in terms of games being released, as well as games being purchased. Because uh, this is an interesting concept, but back in 2008, when we had that market crash, Sanguosa came about. So, like, the three kingdoms game came about because apparently when the economy is going down, people tend to play more board games because board games per person spending is cheaper than other social activities like karaoke and like other sport sporting activities. So technically, I think after COVID, um, we will see a mini rise in the board game sales.
2: Firstly, in uh, Chinese, uh, China mainland, so for uh, all the game cafes are temporarily closed up before June, I think. So it affects ourselves a bit by that time, while um, it is also a huge impact on marketing, since I, I literally lose all the physical channels to introduce the novelties, and uh, all the ball games, most of the ball games are delayed or cancelled. But luckily, I can still attend the Zhanghou's, Zhanghou's Fair in October, I think. And <laughs> I believe this year is a very hard year for everyone. But the, on the other hand, like Jingjing said, people need to find entertainment ways or um, the parents want to find some entertaining and education tools for their children uh, better than the electronic devices. Um, since they are all locked, uh, they were all locked up at home for months. Actually, um, the parents and the players still got demand to buy more games. So uh, for now, fortunately, we uh, not lose much, and uh, I think we will survive this year. But overseas, overseas market is a totally different story. I've got the data that. Uh, uh, North America and uh, Brazil has increased their sales for like more than thirty percent for for uh, the board games market. Since um, I think once, people more like to play at home and uh, just like Jingjing Jing said. So and uh, some themed game like one called Pandemic actually sold out in the last few months. Since people are want to play the game that you are fighting with the virus.
3: <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we succeeded: <laughs> yeah.
2: and also I think the the biggest problem we face is that um that for all the game studios they are they are just uh, they're designers, their artists are also locked up at home. so uh, we can find a very obvious decrease of the number of novelties coming this year. so worldwide the board game novelties is uh decreased.
1: okay. Understood. Then we'll move on to recommendation. So then in order to support your local uh, board game creators, do you any, can you each guy share like one game about China or made in China that you would like to recommend?
0: Okay, I I go first. The Chinese name is Laji Fen Lei. It's quick, garbage, a uh, classification. Okay, uh, it's a game that uh, tells the peoples how to do the trash collections. And uh, as you know, the Beijing uh, government just are doing the, the same policy uh, for all the peoples. And uh, we do this activity on the uh, Beijing's comu- uh, community uh, around the Wangjing. Uh, I think we do this, uh, this activities for almost uh, three, uh, 30, 30 times yeah, with less games. Okay, I'm confused. So
1: basically the Beijing government hired you guys to do like uh, some kind of uh, interactive the, activity yeah. for people to learn how to recycle trash.
0: Yeah, with a game. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, can you win the game? Is it <laughs> <Yeah>. a <game>? <laughs> 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 But w- w- when and where can we play the game now?
3: You can, you can buy the game on G-Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'm just kidding. So, um, yeah, basically, I think, because his sister is working on it. Yeah, yeah his yeah. sister is working on it. And then we actually bring it to communities, like like for little kids and then for, like, the elderly people. And then basically it's four different types of trash cans. And then you have a bunch of trash. And we're speed racing to see who, like, disposes garbage faster than each other. It's hilarious all of the game.
1: Well, I'm sure there is a lot of compound in Beijing. We should have learned how to play that game. Okay, Uh, next recommendation, please.
2: I recommend Double China since uh, Double is a game um, that's distributed by uh, our company. And uh, it's very um, high sales game in uh, European countries, like uh, in France and uh, Germany. It can sell more than 3 million pieces already. And it's a game that you find two elements in one card and each card had one element that is the same with another card. That's a very simple game. But we adapted into uh, Chinese elements. If the original version that it have dogs, have cats and uh, and other daily stuffs in on the cards that we or adapted into Chinese elements like you can find Tai Chi. You can find uh, some uh, Asian Chinese bears or uh, Chinese-style towers in the the game. So I highly recommend this. This is an adapted version of the classic game double.
3: Okay, in terms of good gameplay, I will recommend... Film Centenary, which is um, a game designed by the writer of *Wandering Earth*, the screenwriter for *Wandering Earth*, and I think that movie hit the top three Chinese box office. So his first game on RG Stone, the platform, is actually the number one, the number one ranked, voted by users, the most Chinese loved game. And then he's coming out with this new game called *Film Centenary*, which goes over 100 years of film worldwide so films from france films from the us films from spain films from russia and china all over the world and then everyone is um so like a 100 years ago you have a film studio and then you're trying to build like the mega studio um a 100 years later so during that time during the experience of the game you will experience all of the different like core directors and actors. And then you can actually see the still images for all the classic films that has been with us for the past 100 years. So I think this game will really be a great um, attempt to push board games into the filmmakers, a film lover's market.
1: Okay, great. And now, because I know you're to leave really soon. So like we just have seven minutes left uh, now <laughs> to do the quiz. So the rules are rather simple. So I'm just going to ask like a few questions. When you know the answer, you have to buzz in with your name. And uh, so yeah, I have to say I'm pretty excited to have uh, like a gamer going to play my quiz. <laughs> that's the cool, first time ever. Okay, first question. In 2004, a tomb was excavated in China, and they found a 2,300-year-old board games. Can you tell me its name? I think I know the stories, but oh, I really don't know the don't know the name.
3: Can we guess wrong answers? <laughs> If it's wrong.
1: Well, can you guys tell me anything about this game? Uh, Zhang Hao. Yes,
0: Zhang Hao. What what do you have to say? I I think uh, the game has a board and there also have some dice on on, on the board. Um, But no one knows how to play these games because the rules already lost. Yeah,
1: that that is actually okay. You didn't guess the name. You almost guessed it. It's Liu Bo.
0: <gasps> yeah. Uh,
1: but okay, then, yeah, right. you d- You do. You d- you did remember the second part of the information, which is like we don't know how to play this game since one thousand five hundred year. Like the rules have been lost. They all. They just found like a poem to kind of talk about it, but we don't really know how to play this game.
0: Yep.
3: Yeah. I can make up rules for it. <laughs> just kidding.
1: <coughs> well, maybe people could crown found this, uh, this game and then maybe rules will come out of it. Okay, um, now we're going to move on to the second question. The creator of a popular card game in 2014 filled a lawsuit against the creator and the Western distributor of a similar card game, Legend of the Three Kingdoms, or Sangosha. Can you tell me the name of the Western game that claims the Chinese game copied them?
3: Jin Jin Bang!
1: Okay. Yeah. Jingjing, ding, you win. That, that is bank or wanted as, uh, as we say it in France. Yeah. Okay. Third question. Uh, if you guys, if any listeners, you have kids in the room, I suggest you pause the podcast right now, just in case. Because recently there was a huge scandal regarding an erotic card game. Can you tell me what this is?
3: I would try. Okay, Jinjin. Jin, I think it's about a girl, right? And then she was like sexually assaulted or something. I think it was about a girl who was like sexually assaulted because of a. I think it's a card game too, right? Yeah. So that's all I know about it. And then there was a lot of like negative press on the issue.
1: Anything that all all the other contestants want to try to say?
0: Mm, nope.
2: No, um, I haven't heard about this one, so,
1: yeah. Yeah, in that case, Jingjing, uh, Jing, yeah, you, you win by default. It's almost this. Yeah, so what happened is that uh, this game has a character named Feng Qi, mm-hmm. And what happened is that this character is based on a real story. Uh, is based on a book which is coming also from a real story uh, of the author, who actually is from Taiwan. Taiwan China and she killed herself uh, two months after the book publication and she was assaulted by her teacher and so the story became a hit quote-unquote in 2017 and now this game company they kind of reuse her name uh, in the card game which uh, yeah people are a little bit uh, unhappy about that like it's really pure exploitation of a a tragic story okay well then Jinjin you win congratulations you win the quiz Well, on those good words, we'll wrap up the show. So thank you guys for your time. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And thank you, dear listeners, to stay until the end credits. Middle Earth is produced by China Compass Production, your production service in the Middle Kingdom. In case you have a cultural project related to China, drop us an email at chinacompassproduction.com and see how we can help. Today's episode was produced by Aladin Fare, co Co-produced by Kaiser Guo.
0: Designed by Brandon Gonzalez.
1: I guess you already all have a podcast app, but if you don't want to miss the coming show or listen to the old ones, you can subscribe to our feed. And if you like this show, please consider sharing it to a friend, always help with the algorithm and our ego. Hope to see you next time and stay safe. Bye-bye.